This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Spent that first hour talking about the Knicks, but uh, did want to move on to some football stuff because it's always football season, right? The Super Bowl's over. Uh, it's on to, No, it's still football season with the combine going on and the draft questions. God forbid there's a year without the Jets and Giants picking in the top 10. And I got a question for Giant fans, because, and I want to lead with the Giants, because as I've said before, the Giants are the, the more interesting team this offseason. Last offseason, it was all about the Jets. This offseason, to me, the Giants are far more intriguing. And the question I have, and, and we, in the, I guess in the media, spend a lot of time, I'll include myself there, we spend a lot of time with this. And I, I want to know if this is an important question to you as we make it out to be. And this is the question. Are you as locked in about uh, Saquon Barkley's future? Is it as big a deal where Saquon Barkley plays in the future as we in the media make it out to be? It seems like we are consumed with the future of Saquon Barkley. Every day I'm, what's the latest on Saquon Barkley? Where is he going to go? Are you constantly checking out, oh, what's the latest buzz? What's the latest rumors? Now, I'm an outsider. I'm not a Giant fan. But are Giant fans that concerned if Saquon Barkley is going to be back next year? I get it. He, he's a very good player. He's an important part to your offense. But at this point, it's pretty clear he's not a priority for the Giants. Given the list of things that they have to get done this offseason – Bringing back a 27-year-old running back who's been hurt a lot, it's not their most pressing concern. And they, and they basically laid it out for him. Go shop yourself. Go get the best deal you can. You clearly think that there's a better deal out there than we can give you. Go see what your best deal is and, and see if we can match that. But every day it's like, oh, he could go here. He could go there. Oh, he's a free agent. He could go anywhere. He could, in theory... He could go anywhere, but I don't know that the, the deal that he's looking for is, is going to materialize because, not exactly new, teams are not paying running backs. But there's so much focus. Oh, Giants should bring him back. It's not a priority. They, they basically need everything on offense. Outside of maybe left tackle and some secondary receivers, they need just about every. Look at the other teams in the NFL and look at even bad teams. Look at the skill positions that players that they have. The Giants don't measure up. They got major questions at quarterback and, and, and health alone of Daniel Jones and, and whether or not they should use the sixth pick in the draft on a quarterback or trade down, trade up, all these different things. They got to repair the offensive line, which feels like it's a. a, a a process that's been taking years in and of itself. I mean, we were talking about the offensive line when Eli Manning was here, and he's been gone for a long time. They got to figure out what they're doing at receiver. I mean, they still kind of lack that true number one receiver. But it feels like every day I'm hearing something more about where they got to bring back Saquon Barkley. Do they really got to bring back Saquon Barkley? You just, all you need to know is, even with the cap going up, what was it, $30 million? Teams, not just the Giants, teams with established running backs are not paying those running backs. Even with more money. All of a sudden, they found extra money. And they're still not paying that position. 
So I would, I would, I still kind of expect that Saquon Barkley will be back just simply because I don't think some other team is going to blow the Giants out of the water for him. And he's made it kind of clear that he would like to play his entire career here. But, you know, it's funny because there's so much focus on why the Giants should bring him back and not nearly to me the amount of focus. Why does he want to come back? Why would he want to be back here again? The Giants essentially need just about everything on offense. They have major, and, and even answering however they answer the question to quarterback this offseason, drafting one, not drafting, they're going to have questions at quarterback next year just by the presence of Daniel Jones and his health. Like, can that guy stay healthy long term? If, if you draft a young quarterback, okay, then he's your backup, and at some point you'll probably transition from, from one to the other. Okay. But is that, a, is that an enviable position for Saquon Barkley, given whatever time he has left in the NFL? Like, doesn't he want to experience winning like he did, uh, what, two years ago with the Giants when they, when they made the playoffs and won a playoff game? And I get it. it it's not easy to kind of line up a situation where you go to a winning situation because top-level teams are not generally paying $9 million $10 million for a running back. But it would be, you could throw a dart out a window and find a, a, a more enviable offensive situation if you're Saquon Barkley than, than coming back to the Giants. I mean, they are, again, kind of in need of, of, a, of an overhaul on offense. Quarterback can't stay healthy. Offensive line needs a couple of pieces. The wide receiving court lacks a true number one. You got a tight end who was was hurt again last year and is apparently thinking about retirement. Th- this is what this is what you want back in on, and and I get it. It's admirable that he wants to spend his entire career, I guess, with with one organization. But it's a, it's almost like the Mike Trout thing. Like if Mike Trout doesn't demand a trade at some point, does he ever want to win? Is he just is he just satisfied staying in in California and playing for the Angels and being out of it by May every single year? It's kind of the same thing for Saquon Barkley. Like, if, if there's no great deal that's going to materialize money-wise, shouldn't he be able to find a, a better or a closer winning situation than what he's going to have with the Giants? And it feels like the, the whole lifetime Giant thing, which seems like a, an admirable thing, but it kind of feels like it's just so he can set himself up for his, his post-career. What, what about the career? What about the career that's going on right now? I don't know how much he's 27 next year. We've seen how these guys age and and the position. That's why teams don't pay them. He's had two healthy years out of his entire career. And while he might want to follow in in the footsteps of of Strahan or Eli or even Tiki, those guys did a whole lot of winning. Saquon's years here, unless something dramatically turns around, in the next year or two with him still being a, a major part of it. Saquon's years here, for Giant fans, they're going to be what years that they're going to largely want to forget outside of a playoff win in Minnesota. But the Giants as an organization are not a, a, a and they're not certainly a fan base, that's going to celebrate a, a playoff win when you've experienced the highs. That th- Those are not going to be the glory years for Giant fans. They're not going to, hey, remember that year we went to Minnesota and we beat the Vikings. So Saquon's years here are, are largely years that Giant fans are not going to look back on fondly. So I would say to him, 
Don't worry about the post-career so much stuff right now. Worry about the career right now. And, and the Giants' draft plans, uh, I, would, I would think, if, if Saquon's back, if he's not back, with the amount of draft capital that they have, they should absolutely be weighing in one of those, not in the first round, clearly. We're never going to see a running back go number two again. We can live to be 1,000 years old. We will not see a running back get drafted second overall ever, ever again. That will really be Saquon's legacy here. Getting drafted second overall, which was a mistake at the time, we will never see a running back go second overall ever we could, uh, AI could create another Barry Sanders somehow through science, through technology, and we will never see another running back go number two ever again. But uh, for the Giants draft plans this year with all the capital that they have, uh, a young running back, whether Saquon's here or not, absolutely should be on the agenda. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, We'll get more on the Giants and their draft plans. It's kind of like right now, we got, what, like 50 days before the draft. And this is the time where there's a lot of smoke, right? There's a lot of, a lot of rumors get thrown out there. You've already seen um, with the combine going on that certain things in mock drafts are starting to change and all that type of stuff. There's only one plan of all the possibilities that the Giants have at their disposal this year that I don't like. There's only one, and I'll tell you what that is coming up. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. thoughts on uh, the possibility of Saquon Barkley still returning. And I would think that that is a possibility because I just don't think that there's going to be any monster deal for any of these running backs. I mean, the, you take a look at the list of names uh, and, and teams deciding not to franchise guys like uh, Josh Jacobs that didn't get to the franchise. Derek Henry didn't get the franchise tag. So, uh, it, it, and just the, the, the overall history, right? Teams that in a salary cap era, even with the salary cap going up, teams are looking every which way they can to control and put money into the impact positions. And at this point, it's already been decided running back is, is not one of those positions. So uh, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It is the Gordon Damer show. And we're talking about the giants. And I mentioned there before the break, I think the giants draft plans. still. I would think at least, I don't know what the organization is it's still coming into focus, but as we get closer to the draft, you'll have a better idea. And that was the one thing of the, um, of the uh, Dave Gettleman years. The plans always came in. You always knew what the Giants were going to do going into the draft. You knew the year they were taking Saquon. Now, people were yelling and screaming they shouldn't do it, but they did it anyway. You always knew what the Giants were going to do. The, the, the Daniel Jones stuff was out there. Now, that year they had two picks, and it seemed like possible that they might use him at the 17th pick as opposed to the 6th pick, but history and then the following year it was the left tackle you knew they were going to take it was just a question of which left tackle this year we're still kind of a ways out but you, you hear fans or you hear media talking heads about what's the the right plan to to move forward and I could kind of at least right now as things are coming into focus I can kind of vibe with with just about any of the plans the only plan if I were a giant fan that I would not like is this idea about moving up, trading up, 
to get up high, to go from six to three. And, and you'd have to think that that's the only place you, can, you, you really can get to, right? You're not going to move up from six to four and pay that price for uh, a, the way things seem right now. It's quarterback, 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 and then Marvin Harrison Jr. It, it might change the, the listing of the quarterbacks already. It seems like uh, Jaden Daniels is now going to go two as opposed to three. And um, May is going to go from two to three. However things shake out, it's going to be it looks like quarterback, 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 and then Marvin Harrison Jr. So you're not going to move from six to four to get a wide receiver. So you'd have to go from six to three. And the price that that would be to get the third quarterback in the in the draft, it, it's substantial. Like just go back a couple of years. What was that? Twenty twenty one. The Niners and Dolphins made that trade where the Niners went from. I think they originally went from 12 to 6, and then they moved from 6 to 3. And they gave, I mean, the, the hole that Miami got from that. F- they swapped the first-round picks that year. Miami got two more first-round picks and a third-round pick to move just those three spots. As I already kind of laid out, the Giants don't have those resources to give away. They have, in terms of the skilled positions and the offensive line, entire offense needs an overhaul. And to think that they can uh, identify and, and think about what that would require. That would require the third quarterback to still be a franchise guy. When does that, like, when does that happen? What, what, what would you say the odds are that the third quarterback drafted this year not even is going to be the best one? but he will be a franchise quarterback that will get a second contract with whatever team drafts him, Giants, whoever. What would you say the odds of that? Has that ever happened? It feels like every time that quarterbacks go one-two, one guy's good, the other guy stinks. What are the odds that the third guy, one-two-three, and the third guy is, is still really good? I guess the one year, the year that Tua got drafted, that was Burrow, Tua went five, and Herbert went six. But they didn't go one-two-three. But I think that that's – and then I guess, what, 2004? Uh, that was the Eli draft with, with Phillip Rivers and, and Roethlisberger. Um, so those, those were three good guys. But again, they didn't go one, two, three. Has it ever happened that guys went one, two, and both guys were good? The year with Mariota and Jameis, they went one, two, and, and both guys didn't turn out to be that good. So I, I don't that, – that's the only – scenario that if I were a Giant fan, I would not feel comfortable with. The price that you'd have to pay and the fact that you're getting the third guy of the three guys. And by the time we get to the draft, the, the, the top two will certainly be solidified. And the, the, I, I would guess that the top three will be solidified. If, if uh, the LSU quarterback is, is, is going to be the number two guy, well, then you know who's going to be number three and you know who's going to be number four. So that would be the only plan that I would not be – uh, cool with. If you tell me you're going to stand pack at, at stand pat at six, and and take a, a game changing wide receiver, okay, fine. If you told me the Giants are going to move down and kind of stockpile picks, I'm cool with that. If you told me that maybe the quarterback that you were looking at at three somehow fell to number six, okay, I guess I would be all right with that. Uh, if you told me you're going to draft a quarterback later on, fine. What it really shows you, like when you really get into the, the mock drafts this year, the one big takeaway is how meaningless and stupid, and I said this at the time, 
those wins that the Giants got against Washington and the Patriots and even the Packers, they were so meaningless. And, and now you're paying the price for that. And it was obvious at the time. The only victories that the Giants should have been focused on that point was moral victories, not the, ac- the actual victories is going to make the things harder. Think about how pumped up you would be right now. Forget about even the quarterbacks. Forget about even the first pick. Because they were pretty far away from, from, from landing that because um, Carolina was just so bad. Okay, let, let's, leave let's just say right now that the Giants didn't win the two, uh, one Washington game and the Patriots game, and they were picking fourth in the draft. You're telling me right now as a Giant fan you would not feel – if, if the Giants were sitting at four, we would not be having conversations about the path forward almost certainly. It would be, hey, the Giants are going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr., and are going to have a stud, true number one receiver locked up for the foreseeable future. That would feel like a, a whole lot better. Now, I, I do think that it's interesting, and there are all the different scenarios that can can play out here as we get up to the draft. It, it, I'm sure it'll be it'll be fun, but the 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 odds of success of those those plans all working out to fruition. It's not exactly clear-cut right now. Not as clear-cut as drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. at four would have been. But you had, had to win those games. I've seen lately, like, oh, well, the Giants, they had to win some of those games. Otherwise, people would have got fired. Wait a second. You're telling me you, you decided to keep the coach based on the fact that he beat Washington, who you beat every single year all the time, no matter who's? It's like Washington, even years where they've been halfway decent, they lose to the Giants. Or because you beat the Patriots in a game that... That was a tough watch that day, my friend. Woo, that was a tough watch. You had to, you had to win games. Otherwise, with, with a third-string quarterback in a bunch of them, otherwise you were thinking about firing. What? That doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. So, look, I think the Giants offseason is going to be kind of cool to watch and see how things plan out, uh, play out. Um, it does kind of feel right now that the quarterback is going to be off the board at six, and maybe they go in a – I would guess the two ways that you could go would be wide receiver. You could get one of the stud wide receivers there almost certainly. Um, It doesn't feel like there's going to be any other quarterbacks who can crack that top six picks. So trading down, it doesn't feel like there's going to be um, a boatload of picks that somebody's going to be willing to give up to to go up there and and get uh, Drake May or or Jaden Daniels. So it would seem like it's six wide receiver or I guess offensive tackle because offensive line has been such a, a sore spot and they do have to kind of fix that before anything else kind of matters, right? If, if the offensive line remains as bad as it's been, it almost doesn't matter who you – that's the takeaway that you've gotten from the draft, or at least I have, over the last few years. Like we look at these quarterbacks like, oh, for sure, this guy's the best guy, and then they get thrown into a situation – where it's almost impossible for them to win. And and for all the Caleb Williams talk about going number one, if the Bears don't get some, some skill position players and don't put up a whole lot better offensive position players around him and, and, and get better coaching around him, they're going to be in the same position they were in with um, with Justin Fields. It's It's like rinse and repeat. We look at these guys like every single, oh, well, this guy's clearly the best, and this guy's a finished product. All you, all take a look at, at uh, Trevor Lawrence a couple of years ago. For sure, Locke, he was, for years people were told, oh, you're going to get a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence. You're going to get, 
and, and three years in, the, the jury's still kind of out. That first year, they, they did, they basically, the Jaguars, based on hiring Urban Meyer, essentially threw away Trevor Lawrence rookie year. I mean, that was just a complete waste of a year. And, and since they made the coaching change the last couple of years, eh, it's, it's been better. Well, <laughs> it's been significantly better only because that first year was a complete disaster. And it seemed like the, the can't-miss prospect was absolutely going to miss. And then they, they got a, a legitimate head coach in there, uh, and, and things have seemed better. But each year we talk about these guys like they're can't miss. It's impossible. This guy's going to do this. This guy, And it's all based on things outside of what that player is. It's based on coaching. It's based on talent. It's based on offensive line. It's based on skill positions. There's a lot of variables beyond just that single player. So um, we'll see how the, the things turn out for the Giants this offseason. Um, and it does feel like, at least in terms of that first pick, if they keep it, it's wide receiver. But that's why the draft is, uh, is fascinating. Absolutely. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. We'll get some uh, gi- giant calls involved. Got to talk some Jet stuff. There is not a week that goes by where the Jets can't come up with something. And this week was, uh, was no different. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, more of your phone calls. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're talking uh, some Giants, get into some Jets as well. And, and I guess this, uh, this kind of relates to both teams. Um, there's been a lot of reports that Mike Evans, the Buccaneers' great receiver, is going to be hitting free agency for the first time in his career. Uh, and uh, I've seen article. Oh, that the Giants would be a an ideal landing spot, or the Jets that would be an ideal landing spot for for Mike Evans. Guys, come on, you're Mike Evans. You're I think he's 30 years old, and he's looking around the NFL. I don't know how many more years Mike Evans. Let's say he's four years or five at a high level player left. He's a guy that's been hurt a lot too. So maybe that's being a little optimistic on mine. And, and you think that. The giant situation is is one that money will settle everything, but I don't think for either team, you, you never want to be the team that goes out there and signs somebody to, to money that is probably poorly spent, right? You're, you're overpaying for neither the Jets or Giants are one player away from getting deep into the playoffs. I don't see Mike Evans being a real possibility for either the Jets or the Giants. From Mike Evans' point, I get it from the Giants' point of view, and I get it from the Jet fan point of view. But from Mike Evans' point of view, I don't think that that uh, I don't think he's sitting back saying, did, "Did the Giants come in with the highest offer?" I don't, I don't, I don't see that being a, a match. Giants are they're kind of starting over, and and it just shows you the real takeaway. And it's been said before; I've said it before. That first year, as fun as it was. As great fun as it was to be back, and it seemed like, oh, the new regime, they've got things in place, and Daniel Jones is the guy. Man, that has just kind of set them back here. It has been complete fool's gold, and now trying to pick up the pieces going into year three, and it doesn't really feel like there's a clear-cut plan, and it feels like that first year kind of hamstrung you in some ways, right? If you don't have that first year, you probably cut bait with Daniel Jones. You certainly don't give him the contract he did, that's for sure. 
you probably cut bait last year with Saquon Barkley. You don't uh, go and, and spend the, the, the money that they did on him last year. Now they're, they're free and clear of that moving forward, but it's just kind of kicked the decision down the road. So, uh, yeah, Mike Evans, I don't think is a, is a real possibility. But I, I'll say this. I think the Giants offseason is, is far more interesting. But the Jets, it's, a, it's amazing how every single week there is content involving the Jets from the moment the offseason started with Rodgers and, and now with McCall Hardman and the Zach Wilson stuff and, and Joe Douglas speaking this week and Deion Dawkins going at the Jets and Sauce Gardner going back at Deion Dawkins. It's, uh, it is impressive. The thing with the Jets, it's not as as um, fascinating this year because I think the main pieces are in place. To me, the only question really with the Jets is how, or at least maybe the first question with the Jets is, how are they going to solve this offensive line? It seems pretty clear cut. All right, you got AVT at one spot. Let's assume that he is healthy and good to go for the for the start of next season. All right, so he's at one spot. I don't know what spot that is. Joe Douglas talked about how great he is with his flexibility, but then said they're going to take him in one spot and they're going to put him in one spot, which kind of takes away the flexibility. All right, you have some flexibility at least to make that decision. I don't know. I would think that he will be, if he's not going to be the left tackle, then put him at right guard. You bring in a veteran left tackle, and, and, and that's the guy who protects, and I think David Bakhtiari, whenever he does get released, I'm, I'm sure that that's, I would think almost certainly that that's going to be the guy uh, because the shadow GM, that's the guy he's going to want. But AVT, then you put him at right guard. You draft somebody who's going to be your right tackle and you stick him next to AVT. You got Tipman as your center, and then I guess you got to find a, a left guard. But that's the, the, that, that offensive line, which has been, boy, what was it, the Second Avenue subway that took like 30 years to build? That feels like the pace that the Jets are using to, to build the offensive line. I mean, the, forget it. Eli Manning, it, it's gone back even before. At least with the Giants, the, the conversation about offensive line feels like it started with, when Eli Manning was still the quarterback. With the Jets, the offensive line feels like it went back to basically the, the, the moment that uh, the Brickashaw Ferguson and, um, and the center retired. It, it feels like ever since then, Oh boy, it's been a it's been a whirlwind. They have and they've run through. Joe Douglas has run through the the options. He's spun the wheel and came up craps a lot of times. But uh, yeah, so there's other. Th- I'm not saying that those are the only thing the Jets have to do. Right, the backup quarterback cor- question is going to be there. They got to find a second receiver. There's some other things they got to do. But until they figure that out and 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 you get to see what what is the plan, right? What is the plan moving forward? It feels like mock draft wise, you see these mock drafts and it's like, oh, the Jets are definitely going to pick uh, a left tackle. You're going to draft a kid and stick him at left tackle, and that's the guy that's going to protect Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if that's now they might take a tackle. I don't know that that's where they're going to get their left tackle from. I think that they're going to go the and because they got so many pieces, you can't solve it all through one way, right? You can't solve it all through the draft. You can't solve it all through trades. You can't solve it all through uh, through free agency. You're going to have to pick your your spots. And I think the veteran tackle that's the way they're going to solve that. The draft probably in the first round is going to be one of those those tackles, whichever one is still available at ten, and and then you'll probably go free agency at guard, which has gotten more expensive here over the last few years. That's not going to be cheap either. So, But that's, that has to be jobs one, two, three, four, five for the Jets because if you don't solve that one, nothing else matters. 
All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to Brad on Long Island. Brad, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? I'd like to talk Jets uh, draft here. And obviously, like you said, we got to go O-line. We got to show up that line. But one thing that I'm thinking about, as you go into the draft a little deeper, and maybe names like uh, Spencer Rattler or Joe Milton start to fall, you know, as somebody who's been a Jet fan forever, you got to spin that roulette wheel and see if you hit on a quarterback. I mean, I know we got Rodgers for the now, but I think until you find that young guy, you keep spinning it and spinning it and spinning it until you hopefully get lucky. And one of these guys hit and you next thing you know, your next 10 years are set. Um, I've heard a lot of talk about, oh, we don't want to develop a quarterback, but I think you got to try to at least look to hit on one of these young guys if they fall, a Spencer Rattler, a Joe Milton, someone like that. What are your thoughts, man? Well, look, Brad, I hear where you're coming from, right? Because you got Rodgers for now, and, and you saw, and thanks for the phone call, you saw last year the now sometimes it goes by the wayside very quickly. Um, so uh, I think at this point, given the injury that he's coming off, Rodgers is a year-to-year proposition. You can't tell me. He can say all he wants. I want to play two more years. I want to play three more years. you got to take it year to year at this point. So I understand what you're saying uh, about finding uh, a long-term solution at quarterback. I don't think that, the, the, that you can draft a, a rookie to serve as the backup next year. You just have too many more pressing needs, and you are all in on now. You have to win now. Uh, I think that what – now, if you're telling me – I don't know all the, dra- the, the uh, Jet draft picks. I don't know if they have – multiple fifth rounds or sixth round. Maybe you can target one there uh, as, as a bit of a project, but I think that you can't be focused on – you need one at some point, but I think you got to let this this group run its course ne- and, and the focus on this group has to be the now. So uh, I, I don't think you can take a quarter if, – if one drops in the second round. And here's another thing. I don't know that I want Joe Douglas being the guy that pulls the trigger on the next guy. I, I – I, you're just getting over having to deal with the ramifications of the last guy he drafted. And that was with the second pick in the draft. Not a second-round pick, a, the second pick. I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what the veteran quarterback, who that veteran quarterback is that the Jets get. And I think that that would be the route that they go. Would it be a, like a a Mitchell Trubisky or a Tyrod Taylor. I think it has to be somebody that, that, that Rogers, I hate to say it, but I feel like it has to be somebody that Rogers approves of. If it were up to me, I said this last year, Gardner Minshew would have been the guy for me, but I don't know. Maybe Gardner Minshew can get a, get a starting job. I don't know, but that's going to be fast. I just don't think that it can be. I don't think it can be a, a rookie that you bring it. You need something that is a little bit more uh, secure it, not that Rodgers goes down like he did this past year, but what if he misses four games? What if he misses some time? Not just one game, where one game you can get by with a lot of possibilities. You need somebody, I think, that's a little bit more secure and has done the job before. Jacoby Brissett, something like that. Hey, Sam Darnold? No, I'm not just kidding. You're not gonna, I'm fairly confident it will not be Sam Darnold. Uh, let's go to Alex on Long Island. Alex, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you, Gordon? Beautiful I'm good. weather today, right? Yeah, beautiful. Hey, so, uh, listen, so 
I heard you talking about the Jets' needs. And, yes, offensive line is one of them. But i got to tell you something. They have a lot of other needs as well. And I, I just am not comfortable with the wide receiver position, aside from, you know, having a, a top, you know, one in, in, in Garrett Wilson. And then a running back, we saw, yeah, they're both great. But they, they're so one-dimensional in terms of there's no other options. I, I mean, you know, Corey Davis is gone. <laughs> All right, we're starting to lose you, Alex. I, I hear you. Yeah, look, I'm not telling you that offensive line is the only concern. That I, You're absolutely right. That is not the only concern. To me, that's the number one concern, and by a wide margin, right? It's not like, mm, do, I, do we go uh, offensive line or do we go wide risk? No, off, if you don't fix the offensive line, then nothing else really matters. And, and think about what you got to do. you got to find two starting tackles. Two of them. Those guys aren't cheap, and you don't find them. So, like, um, Tyron Smith uh, of the Cowboys, he's not going to be back with the Cowboys, so people have floated that out as a possibility as the Jet, right? He's still, he's still really good when he plays. He's not that old. I think he's 32, 33. But that's a perfect example of the situation the Jets find themselves in is, yeah, he's a, he's a veteran. He plays at a very high level, but he doesn't, he's been hurt a lot. There's going to be major questions about that dude is always dealing with something. Bakhtiari, he's another guy. I think he played one game in two of the last three years. So he's a health concern. Or if a, if a, if a big-time left tackle makes it to free agency, there's, going to, there's almost certainly major questions why. And, and Tyron Smith, it's because of, I think last year he played 13 games, and that's the most games he's played in like five years or something like that. He's always dealing with something, and that's the situation you find yourself in. But I, I, don't, I think you have to make that deal with the devil because you need somebody. You can't have a maybe. You need, you need somebody that when they're playing, you know that they, they can do the job. And drafting somebody in the first round, yes, they might have a higher ceiling and they might be a, a long-term piece, I don't think you can throw them in at left tackle right away and expect that, that to be the, the, the guy that, that is the answer. Uh, let's go to Ira's in Staten Island. Ira, what's going on? Hey, good afternoon, Gordon. How are you? I'm good. Um, some good points, some good points from the uh, two previous callers and yourself. And now the offensive line, of course. Hey, listen, you don't have to be a football fan to know that's what no. you just have to focus on. Um, as for a quarterback, yeah, if you want to take one in day three, it's great. But like you said, um, I would prefer something else. I don't trust Joe Douglas to draft another quarterback. But at the end of the day here is that you got to – when you're looking at a backup quarterback, now I've been screaming for Minshew for a couple of years, you have to if – you, if you could get one, you got to get one that could come in and keep the pace if mm-hmm. Rodgers misses any type of extended time to still make the playoffs. You don't want a guy to just come in there kind of hold the fort – they have to play four game, go one and three. You got to have the guy like Minshew to come in. That's going to keep you on a roll to get there. Because if they don't make the playoffs, they're all going to be gone. And as for the receivers and for the draft and everything, you know, I, I get it that Rogers has had an unbelievable career. Okay, but does it really matter whether it's Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, a hot uh, wide receiver in the draft? supposedly great quarterbacks make receivers look better. So that's the approach I take. I'm putting all my focus 
on the offensive line, they do need some interior work on the defensive line because they still can't stop the run. Nobody talks about that. And after that, they, you know, they should be good to go. But really, realistically, you know, people think you just plug in one or two players and this team's Super Bowl contenders, uh, stop. You know, I, I still have major question marks about the coach. Let me see this team start to win ball games. And then I'll get very optimistic of maybe playing after January because until they start winning games, it really doesn't matter who they sign. Yeah. Well, look, I hear you, Iron. Thanks for the phone call. Um, I would think that Rodgers is still going to have a major influence on the players that the, the Jets end up bringing in. Uh, I refer to him as the shadow GM. And, and, and look, when you turn over your organization to a star like that, you, you turn over some of the power as well, right? You Whatever they need, whatever Aaron Rodgers needs to succeed. And you saw that last offseason. I think he had a hand in, in a lot of the moves that were made. Uh, the one that he cannot have a major influence in is the backup quarterback one. They, they cannot, Tim Boyle or someone along the lines of, that cannot be anywhere close to the left. They have to get a respectable backup quarterback. You know, for all the talk about Zach Wilson and screaming about Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson wasn't supposed to play last year. And if they had won out and gotten somebody better than Tim Boyle, he wouldn't have been playing last year. So they ha- they, they, if Aaron Rodgers wants to have a, a say on who the left tackle is going to be and they come to him and say, well, you know, we're going to take a whatever in the, in the draft and, and Bakhtiari is available and that's his guy. All right, fine. Not crazy about it, but okay, fine. He cannot have – I would say he can't have nearly the influence that he had this past year, but I'm assuming he's going to have some influence. It can't, they can't go out into the market for a quarterback and look at somebody who does not threaten Aaron Rodgers enough. It has to be somebody who's a legitimate backup quarterback. I don't know who that guy is, if it's Jacoby Brissett, if it's Ryan Tannehill. It has to be somebody who, if, he, if Rodgers goes down for more than a play or two, he can come in – and could actually operate the offense. Tim Boyle, oh my God, that was a disaster. An abs- and the only reason he was here was because of Aaron Rodgers. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. We'll get more of your phone calls only here on the Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. 